With Renee Vitale and, and Renee, we are watching this uh, Hurricane Adelia. And I think that's correct. Yesterday on the news, they actually spent a good amount of time telling us how you pronounce it. But I, but, but, but I forgot already. I think you have it right. And that, that pronunciation came from the National Weather Service. Okay, good. Well, there we go. We're off to a great start. <laughs> and uh, 5 a.m. must be the time that the uh, uh, weather people uh, start hitting the streets. I'm not sure if that's Jim Cantori on the Weather Channel. I don't think so. It doesn't look like, uh, you know, he's amped up enough shouting at the hurricane. But... <laughs> Of course, there we are, uh, another hurricane, another person that they're putting in harm's way. And uh, I don't get it, but of course we're watching it. And and this thing is, this thing, I, I it, it looks like it's shaping up to be actually worse than they forecasted. Yeah, and they're saying that these uh, exceptionally warm weathers are, uh, warm waters right. are to blame. That, uh, you know, it, for lack of a better term, it's the perfect storm right. for that. Well, and that's the thing. We heard a couple weeks ago that um, that the waters off the coast of Florida were like 100 degrees, like yeah. hot tub water. Right, literally. And that's what fuels these hurricanes. Yep, yep. So they're saying when it re- makes landfall, it's supposed to be a Category 4 um, I'm trying to see what the category is, but it looks like it's already made landfall. Uh, they call it the 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 bend of Florida. I call it the armpit. Um, it's off the west coast uh, around Apalachicola, Tallahassee, and uh, 130 miles. Yep, it's 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 technically a Cat Four. So what I can't understand are these people that they're begging and pleading right. to leave, saying that. You know, you will not survive. Please leave. Right. Well, and and that's the thing, too. I mean, every time a hurricane like like this happens, Ron DeSantis, who I disagree with on just about everything, he was spot on when he said, you need to get out of there because um, once once the hurricane starts and you get stuck, we can't help you until the hurricanes pass. And even then, it's going to be a slow go. And they're saying it's not so much the winds. It's the water, yeah. the the uh, height that the water is going to get to, that you won't be able to survive that, and you need to go. And once those waters reach those levels, we won't be able to help you. Right. And so, I and yesterday on the news, I mean, they, they were talking to people who lived in Florida 20, 30, 40 years, who normally wait these things out, mm-hmm. and they said, we're, we're, we're getting out. The Tampa airport closed down uh, on midnight, I think, Tuesday morning. Yesterday, there was a 4 o'clock deadline to get out. So hopefully there's not a whole lot of people staying in harm's way. You know what I always wonder, though, when I'm watching this this hurricane coverage? Mm. These people who are standing out there, where do they stay? Do they, like, drive from miles away to safety? Or are are they, like, staying at, like, a Holiday Inn that's, that's right in the... The path of the like hurricane. on the top two floors right. or something. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how that works. I have no idea. Yeah, so hopefully they stay. But <sighs> something's going to happen one day to 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 these weather people who are standing outside in the hurricane, and then then they're going to stop. They're going to stop doing it on TV. You know, if what I'm I ever saying? get the chance to interview Al Roker again, I'm going to ask him. You got to interview Al Roker. I, I did. Wow. It was great. It was great. And that's going to be the next. I, I have to put that in the the bank. And, and rem- remember to ask him that question. What's Al Roker? What was he like? In, I, he, I, I figured he was either really charming or really disappointing. No, he was great. Okay, good. Yep, Phew. nope. He's he's just like you'd hope. I'm a big Roker guy. Um, now, you said uh, 
that uh, you actually know people who have lived through, uh, uh, I think it was Hurricane Ian yep. last year. You made the connection yesterday that these eyes are, these eye hurricanes are really destructive. Yeah, I have some snowbird friends that were here from Michigan, and they uh, moved down there last year and decided to ride out Ian, and they said that the only way they can describe it is that it sounded like two freight trains simultaneously going past their house at once. Right, and people say the same thing about tornadoes as yeah. well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll keep an eye on it. Hopefully everyone down there stays safe. Uh, closer to home here, Renee, uh, uh, Mac Howell, he's an East Point man. He spent seven and a half years in prison for a crime he didn't commit, and he's suing the East Point Police Department uh, and the officer in charge of his investigation for $50 million. He was sentenced wow. to uh, 25 to 50 years back in 2014 after he was convicted for robbing a 7-Eleven. His attorney says that the investigator in the case withheld information, which uh, deprived him as a, of a fair trial, um, not the least of which that they actually had a suspect in custody when they arrested Howell for the um, uh, robbery. And Macomb County Prosecutor's Office took a look at it. There was a lot of evidence that didn't quite match up. Uh, there was a rash of 7-Eleven robberies after Howell went to jail, including the same store he was convicted of robbing. Um, the clerk who, uh, who was robbed originally picked someone else out of a perp lineup. Uh, his appearance did not match that of the robber, and he also had severe medical issues and physical challenges that would have made it impossible for him uh, to f- uh, flee the scene. And there's also faulty canine evidence. And, uh, look, I think if you are... If you are sent to prison falsely, you are robbed of probably your most precious resource, which is time. I don't know what I don't know what amount of money would make that right. Um, do you remember the Hires Brothers? Yes. 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 So that is actually my best friend's family. Oh, wow. It's so, uh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, a whole bunch stories, of hard luck. Folks. I do. I do. Um, so I, I've heard their stories. You know, they they went to jail for 25 years. Right. Um, and the stories that they tell, it's unbelievable. You know, the, their outlook on it. They are actually, uh, they were both incredibly uh, okay. Yeah. I guess is the way of looking at it. But, yeah, 25 years apiece. Well, and, and maybe. That they didn't get back. Maybe their perspective is different because they're just so happy to be out of jail. But yeah. I, I actually thought of them, small world, because. You know, when they got out of prison, it was a completely new world. There was no Internet. There was no smartphones. Like, no. It, it would almost feel like you're a time traveler going to the future. My after. best friend and I trying to explain to them Google. Right. You know, and, and showing them, hey, let's Google you. Right. You two in particular. God, how freaky would that be? It was very strange. Like, you're, it's 1995, and then all of a sudden it's 2023. and Yeah. So that's nuts. Um. There's a new uh, COVID variant that's going around, yeah, and 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 it's been spotted in Michigan. Yeah, it's uh, only been identified in a few countries, and it's made its way to the U.S. At least one of the few cases was recorded in Michigan. It's believed to branch off of the BA.2 Omicron variant. Um, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now it's one of the nine cases identified worldwide as of August 23rd. Two cases were found in the U.S. At least one of those cases detected in Michigan because so few infections with the variant have been recorded. Experts don't know exactly what impact this virus variant will have 
So far, the CDC says that existing medications and therapies will likely still work to treat this variant. Uh, It's too soon to tell if the virus variant can cause more severe illness in those infected, though no evidence suggests as much so far. So my takeaway, they don't know much about it. Yeah, and, and, you know, your hope is that viruses, when they mutate, they become more infectious, but they become less severe. Right. But there's a lot of people freaked out right now thinking mask mandates are coming back. Right. Vaccine mandates are coming back. I don't know if we're going to get to that point. Uh, me personally, you know, it, if I'm if I'm forced to get a, a, a vaccine by mandate, I'll get one. But I don't really want to get one in, in, until I feel like it might be really bad. Yeah. I, I mean, we've all been through this. We all have very strong feelings one way or the other about this. Um, we wait and see. Right. Uh, the meantime, the feds are getting involved in the, um, investigation into the university of Michigan internet outage. It's kind of vague. University president, uh, Santa Ono released a statement yesterday saying the UM division of public safety and security and federal law enforcement partners have been informed are involved, but they're being, um, uh, deliberately vague about it because they don't want to, um, uh, jeopardize the investigation, uh, but there was a security breacher or, or a concern that 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 was spotted by cybersecurity uh, on Sunday. They shut the internet down, and now the feds are investigating. So it's it's starting to look like this might be a malicious attack, but we don't know a whole lot. Yeah, and and the thing is, is that I was reading about this. There are a lot of things that are up and running on the campus. Yeah. They're doing what they can to keep things running as smoothly because it's the start of the new year. Yeah. School year. Um, even though much is running, talk about a crippling effect in the operation. I mean, it's got to feel like Little House on the Prairie up on there. I mean, I don't even know how you function without the Internet. And uh, real quick, before we hit hit the break, there's a big sewer cleanup happening out in Macomb County. Yep, they're working to remove thousands of tons of sediment that built up in the sewers uh, in an effort to keep the system from collapsing. Macomb County's Public Works Department is spending millions to prevent a major sewer from it collapsing again. This is about two miles from my house, so I have watched this in real time. Yeah, you probably live that sinkhole. I, Honest to God, it keeps me from going to my mire, and that really upsets me. I do love that mire out there. <laughs> uh, first thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale on WJR. Well, Renee Vitale, we've got our first Jim Cantori sighting on the Weather Channel. Oh, of course he now made it goes his to, appearance. Yeah, I, of course it goes to commercial now. Yes, so uh, he looked pretty subdued. He's he's standing on a balcony in Cedar Key, and uh, I, I I don't think the worst of the hurricane got to him just yet, but uh, but he's out there, um, and it looks like this thing is a Category Four. It uh, looks like its path, the eye is going to kind of brush the panhandle, go over Tallahassee, and then it's going to go through Georgia and South Carolina um, and then back out to the ocean where it looks like there's just over the, uh, is it Bermuda, Bahamas? Come on, pretty mama. Uh, just <laughs> just over the Bahamas, there's another hurricane. So hopefully those don't like link up and become a super hurricane. I don't know if that's happened before, but uh, it sounds like a disaster movie waiting to happen. Yeah, they said the last hurricane to hit near Tallahassee was 
Hermine? Is that how you say it? Hermine? Hermine? Hermine. Hermine. Yeah. Uh, back in 2016, which was only a Category 1. Right. So these people are really having to brace themselves. I mean, they're not veterans to this. Right. Well, like, and and the thing is, um, like you said, it's not the it's not the wind; it's the water. I mean, right. uh, Katrina, which we think of in our mind as one of the most uh, damaging hurricanes in history, was a Category Three, and it right. did all that damage because uh, New Orleans is like in a Super Bowl. So you know, and, and New Orleans is one of my favorite towns to visit, and uh, we go quite often. And they still have not fully recovered from that how many years later yeah like every now and then i'll get like one of these clickbait links that Uh has like pictures of the six flags that was abandoned and they just never reopened they never reopened yeah again yeah yeah Yeah, i think like the french quarter has been rebuilt but there's like neighbor there's neighborhoods people left and they just never came back the cemeteries that they just gave up on right and a lot of those bodies not to be morbid but you know since since New Orleans is is a soup bowl, and 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 parts of it are are under sea level. Uh-huh. Some of them just floated, flo- floated away, yeah, which is terrifying. Uh, New Orleans is supposedly one of the most haunted uh, places in the world, if you believe in stuff like that, which I kind of do, and I do too, even though I don't. I, I mean, here's the thing: I don't believe in ghosts, but I'm also not going to spend the night in the Exorcist house. Um, really cool story here. Um, the five big names in late night: Stephen Colbert. Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, Seth Meyers, and John Oliver. They're teaming up for a podcast to help their writers through the strike. It'll be called Strike Force 5. It's going to be about the five of them navigating uh, this this writer strike. It'll launch for a 12-week run on Spotify starting August 30th. Hopefully the... Hopefully the the, the 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 strike is over at the end of that 12-week run. Yeah, yeah. Selfishly, though, I'm really looking forward to this. So uh, as much as I want the strike over, I'm right. really looking forward to this and hope it has a bit of a run. Yeah, like hopefully even if the strike is over, they, they continue with it. Because each of them are going to take turns leading the discussion. And, and all the money that they make off this is going to the writers. Uh, I guess most of these guys are still paying the writers out of their pocket, which is smart. Because, uh, you know, these these late night hosts are nothing without their writers, which made me think if you're just reading something that people wrote, I I mean, once once you get the chops for delivering it, is being a late night host an easy job? I I know. I mean, you're literally just reading cue cards, I'm assuming. Yeah. Is that what's going on here? Yeah, I mean, like you need the comedic (laughs) chops to like deliver. Sure. But once you got that and it's second nature. But good for them for recognizing that they're nothing without their writers. Right. And I mean. This also shows that we're kind of in this kinder, kinder, gentler era of of late night TV because you would never see Letterman and Leno do this. No, they hated each other. Yes, they did, and and I love that these guys were the one of the first ones out there to you know bring food to them right. out on the lines and uh, you know just really show their support early on in this strike. It will be interesting though to see which which of them are naturally funny. Because obviously right. it's going to be unscripted. Yes. And, and who is mostly just their writers? Yes, that's interesting. I yep. have a feeling that Colbert, John Oliver, and Jimmy Kimmel, I, I, have, I get the feeling those three are all naturally witty and funny. Well, sure, especially Jimmy Kimmel because, you know, when you're on SNL, you're a writer as well. Yeah, that's Fallon. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. Right. I'm thinking of Fallon. Yes. So, yeah, but... Uh, See, and, and it's weird. I, I kind of get the feeling that Jimmy Fallon and, and Seth Meyers, 
I get the feeling that they're going to kind of lag behind the quick wit of the other three. I'm not, a huge, so? I'm not a huge Fallon guy. I, I'm definitely not a Seth Meyers guy. I never thought Seth Meyers was that funny. No? No. See, I like Seth Meyers. I would say he was my least favorite of the weekend updates. He has a, 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 dry, yeah. a dry sense of humor That's I liked. Tr- and I feel like Jimmy Fallon, he, he's like that kid you were friends with in middle school and then in high school, he sat at like the popular kids' table, but like, and then and then he would just always brag about it. Yeah, that's what I get with Fallon. <laughs> but so what? Yeah, but I, I'm with you. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to to uh, to listening to this. Hopefully, there's some good behind the scene hot yeah. goss. Nonetheless, it's a cool concept. Yeah, so good for them. Um, now it's been a weird month, obviously, and I think um, there might be an explanation, and it might start with uh, with, with with what we're seeing uh, up in the night sky. Yeah, we're in for a treat this week. There's going to be a rare blue supermoon with Saturn peaking from behind. So tonight is going to be the second full moon of the month which is the reason that it's going to be considered a blue moon. It's going to be dubbed a super moon because it's closer to Earth than usual, appearing especially big and bright. Now, this is going to be the closest full moon of the year, just 222,043 miles or so away. That's almost walking distance. (laughs) That's That's it? That's more than 100 miles closer than the August 1st supermoon. Now, as a bonus, Saturn's going to be visible as a bright 0.5 degrees to the upper right of the moon at sunset in the east-southeastern sky, uh, appearing to circle clockwise around the moon as the night wears on. And you're going to want to make sure that you don't miss it because there won't be another blue supermoon until 2037. Right. And we might be dead by then. Um, <laughs> and, and it's the second supermoon in a month, too. So, like, it's all. And I thought to myself, when I first heard we were going to have two supermoons in August, I'm like, eh, no big deal. But August has been a weird month. We lost Bob Barker. Uh, we had uh, we had those floods and seven tornadoes last week. Right. Uh, you got the biggest uh, hurricane to hit the armpit of Florida right now. And Mercury is in retrograde, which I don't is know. Is Mercury in retrograde? It is in retrograde, um, which I don't know what that means. So maybe you can explain what Mercury. I believe that. But I know, it's, stuff I know it's supposed to be bad. It is bad. Yeah. So what, what does that mean? It means you're not supposed to make big decisions, sign oh. contracts, travel. It it rules communication. It, it's a big thing. Every time things are wonky, I will Google, is Mercury in retrograde? One time I actually asked Suri, is Mercury in retrograde? And every time it's been right except once, she said, no, something else is bugging you. Oh, well, you can't blame you can't blame it on Mercury's like you can't blame it on me, sister. Yeah. So Mercury is in retrograde to four till the 14th of September. It, it looks like Mercury's was in retrograde it for it's going to be four times this year. It seems like Mercury's in retrograde more than it's not. I know. Yeah. So. All right. Well, good. Sorry, officer. Mercury was in retrograde, so that's why I ran the red light. Exactly. I'm sorry. It's the supermoon and everything. Speaking of Bob Barker, he is uh, he's opting out of having a funeral. Uh, his longtime publicist said that uh, Barker requested not to have a funeral or memorial service. He just felt like it should be something that's private. Uh, so he'll just he'll he'll just have a private burial, and uh, he'll be buried next to his late wife, Dorothy Joe Baker. That's that's a good southern name there. Uh, she died of lung cancer back in 1981, and 
Uh, I guess this makes sense. I mean, he was such a public figure for so long. I mean, I would imagine that uh, uh, you didn't really see him after he retired in 2007. So maybe he just wanted people to, like, remember him the way he was when he was on The Price is Right and, and you know, not, not the way he was at the end of his life. I can appreciate and respect that. Sure. You know, you live such a public life. Why not uh, enjoy a little quiet time? Right, exactly. I got to be honest. I I don't know if you've ever thought of, like, and it's a morbid thought, like, what kind of memorial service you want after you die. I haven't really um, thought of my final wishes. I just figure I'll be dead. So what do I care? You can have a Viking funeral. You can throw me in the ditch. I don't care. I don't know about you. I want a party. You want a party? I want everybody to party. Have a good time. You want to, you like to, and, and you know what? I think that's the best way to, to go about it. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, like, don't don't be sad. Tell stories. Yeah. Have a kegger. I don't care. Yeah. just <laughs> Yeah. All, all the stuff you didn't want to talk about that would embarrass me while I was alive, just go ahead and tell Have it at my it. funeral. Yep. Go ahead. All right. Uh, we will be back with, with Lloyd and Guy to get you ready for JR Morning. It's first thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale on WJR. All right. Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale. Guy Gordon, Lloyd Jackson joining us live in studio. Guy, last segment we were talking about this this really cool story about the five uh, uh, the five big names in late night: uh, Kimmel, Fallon, uh, Colbert, John Oliver, and uh, Seth Meyers. They're all getting together to to do to do a podcast, um, essentially to support their writers. And as someone who worked in TV, how how important are the writers to the on air talent? Well, I do, I wasn't doing a. I mean, right. It's we different. were writers too, yeah. right? So I mean, yeah, there were. Re- I mean, obviously, when you're on the air and something breaks, you're re- you really rely heavily on your producers and writers. For these guys that are doing comedy and doing sketch comedy, huge yeah, reliance yeah. on 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 them to provide content. Well, and I'm wondering too, listening to this, there's going to be no writers. You're you're going to find out who like the legitimate legitimate comedic talents are amongst these hosts and who who, <laughs> right. who are who, and who just the Ron burgundy it yeah, yeah. right yeah. exactly well, remember fallon was a writer on saturday night yep. live seth myers was the head writer on saturday night live i right. mean all those guys have pretty strong writing chops to begin with now there i mean but there are some people like like you i could see you like you could probably do a newscast without a script but there probably are there probably are people though who just sit down in the chair and and quote unquote rip read the, read, pri- read yeah. the pr- prompter. They're, yeah. Yeah, I mean I, yeah. I can tell you right now if the prompter went down, Rhonda Walker and Devin Skillion could uh could go and, and, and do it because they know the stories that are in there. They've already read them, they already know them, they can talk their way through them. Yeah. And that's a rare talent. Yeah. That's I yeah. S- I think I saw Rod Maloney do that one time as well. I mean, the old pros yeah. know, how, know how to do it because they've been there when the prompter's gone. That exactly. was the first person I thought of. Rod, he, I, he looks off to the side, and he, you could just see him in, in go mode yeah. when he's telling his stories. Yeah, he's, he's a true talent. Un, unflappable. Yeah. I'd be a, be a, I'd be a prompter actor. reader. Just let me sit yep. down, give me my That's paycheck. That's not true. I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. So, Guy, you brought this up uh, off the air, and I figured <sighs> – you're gonna make me cry. Since uh, right, so are 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 we dog people in this room? Oh and, yeah, I, oh, yeah. I, I am. Yeah, and, and are we criers in this room? Oh yeah. Oh. Well, God help us. Then let's see. Let's should we go, Barbara Walters on let's, their butts? Let's guy? go. Yeah. What kind of a tree would you be? Let me let me tell you about Scout, the nursing home dog. <laughs> Scout is a stray mutt. 
who was taken in by an animal shelter up in Antrim County, up where Torch Lake is. Uh, a, a nurse who worked at a nearby nursing home from the animal shelter. She found Scout on a couch in the lobby one day. Um, dumbfounded, she called the animal uh, control people. They picked Scout up and took him back to the shelter. Not much is known about Scout, either other than he showed telltale signs of being abused. He's startled by loud noises. He's leery of strangers, and he kind of keeps his head down when he walks. This is the worst part. There's there's evidence that he was shot at with BBs or bird shots because oh. there's pellets lodged in his jowls. You can't oh, wow. see him, but if if yeah. you, but if you pet him, yeah. Um, and and so Scout kept coming back multiple times. Uh, he would cross a busy highway through the automatic doors of Supposedly the. Supposedly climbed a ten foot fence yeah. to get out of the animal shelter. Uh, and he walked through the the automatic doors of the nursing home. Right back to the couch, and he would curl up and go to sleep. Um, it happened so much that the nursing home just decided to to keep Scout. They let him stay. Just kept coming back. Yep. He's now a support dog. Right, and he he's and everyone's going to get support from those elders. Yes, and and what he does, and it, right, and, and now he goes room to room visiting them. It makes it feel like home to them because they can't have pets in there. Uh, he stands guards at the lobby, and I guess uh, he. He knows when someone's in the process of dying because he'll go in their room, jump up in bed with them, and oh. and comfort them as they pass away. No. So, wow, what a wow! It's a nice little humanity story. But you it talk is. about so he's been abused, but he craves human contact. He yeah. wants to be with those seniors. Yes, it's just and nobody knows why he picked. Nobody knows why he picked that nursing home. Maybe it was just the the only place with a bunch of people. Um, around for a while, but uh, it's a very nice story. And John like, Carlisle at the, the Free Press finds the most interesting characters and the most interesting stories. He travels the roads of Michigan, and he's just, you know, he goes to the UP, he goes everywhere, and he's just an amazing reporter. What a great story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, amazing. I, I, I want to go meet Scout. I want to see Scout in action with he, those seniors. He's a beautiful <laughs> dog too. There's a he is, yeah, he's a pretty guy. What is it? I, I I think I see some German Shepherd in there, yep. and that that's all I can that, that that's all I can tell. Yeah, and I got to believe there's a little bit of Retriever in there, just yeah. because of his his mild manners. Yep. And, and if he's a climber, there may be some Beagle in there. <laughs> yeah, if he's an escape artist. There's got to be some Beagle. You know, I, I I have to say, once upon a time, I I, I thought that I'd be a good dad. And now, after having a little 15-pound uh, dog that's taken over our house for four years, uh, I don't think so anymore. <laughs> you can't be the disciplinarian that you'd hoped you would be? No. my my <laughs> Trudy it, rules the roost. If my dog bites you, if my dog bites you, it's your fault. What did you do to make her bite you? <laughs> She's a good judge of character. Yeah, yeah. so... Uh, big show uh, coming up. We got got a lot going on. Uh, the feds are now involved in this this internet outage out at the U of M. It's all very vague, but yeah. uh, uh, President Santa Ono he released a statement yesterday uh, saying that uh, the Division of Public Safety and Security and federal law enforcement partners have been informed aren't involved, but it. He could tell us more, but then he'd have to kill us. Well, but there was also something he said. This is ongoing with multiple attacks. It sounds like they keep getting attacked. Right. And that whatever bots are at work with this, whatever the hackers are using, they just keep hammering them. Or perhaps there's malware in there that's you know continuing to, to, to attack. Yeah. And I, I mean, 
imagine having a function without internet. I mean, you know. Feel oh, my no. gosh. It really tells you how reliant we are. The kids yeah. couldn't get their schedules. Yeah, the timing of this is just awful. The beginning of a new school year. Yeah. And it's even messed with them with the disbursements of their student loans. We'll be back. With Renee Vitale. So Governor Gretchen Whitmer is expected to endorse measures in the legislature that would do away with a 24-hour review of informed consent period before a woman's allowed to have an abortion when she lays out all of her fall legislative priorities later today. Beth LeBlanc has been following the story for the Detroit News, and she talks about it with Guy and Lloyd on JR Morning. They're saying these things are medically unnecessary. Just kind of run down what they're defining as medically unnecessary. And you would think before a, an important procedure that full information and full disclosure would be one of the things that they would embrace on the behalf of women. Yeah, so the the full scope of what's going to be proposed, because these bills haven't been introduced yet, but they're expected to introduce these at the beginning of September. It's called the Reproductive Health Act, and it's going to include a lot of different bills that repeal certain abortion regulations that Michigan had in place pre-Dobbs decision, so before Roe versus Wade was overturned. One of those in particular that Governor Whitmer has has committed to endorsing is a repeal of Michigan's 24-hour waiting period. So usually um, when a woman seeks an abortion in Michigan, she has to fill out uh, like an attestation 24 hours beforehand, um, saying she's reviewed certain materials about, um, you know, the 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 age of, of her fetus and the, the development stage it's in. Um, and different other options or different different information about, to attest that she hasn't been coerced into an abortion or what have you. Um, so that's currently the law in Michigan that you have to fill one of these out 24 hours beforehand. Uh, what pro-abortion rights uh, advocates are saying is that that is medically unnecessary and that it is um, like a burden on the woman because some people go in to, to have an abortion, are told they have to fill out this, this form, and then have to come back the next day. Um, and they said, especially with the uptick in, in women coming to, to Michigan from out of state to get abortions, this, this becomes problematic. So I, I guess I'm having trouble understanding why they find a fully informed uh, a mandate to, to make sure a woman is fully informed, why that is so onerous. Yes, it takes some time and some diligence, but these are decisions that have some major consequences. Why wouldn't responsibility be the norm? Well, you know, I think they they feel that that, that exchange of information and that in informing by the doctor is, is something that should take place between the doctor and the woman without interference of state law. Um, and I think the real stickler here for them is is the 24-hour waiting period. It's, it's not so much giving the information to the woman, but also the idea that that 24 hours have to pass then before she's able to get this procedure. Okay. And, and Prop 3, I mean, it was kind of, I don't know, it was kind of open, kind of ambiguous about parental consent. Um, is that still part of that? Yeah, so that that's a big question mark still. So previous versions of this Reproductive Health Act have included the repeal of parental consent laws. Um, Michigan currently has a law that if you're a minor seeking an abortion, you need permission from your parents or intervention by a court. Um, 
during the debate over Prop 3 last year, there was a question of whether the constitutional amendment would automatically nullify some of these abortion regulations, mm -hmm. like the waiting period, like parental consent. And one of the real sticking points in, in the debate was whether this would repeal parental consent. Mm -hmm. um, so far, there, there hasn't been a court case seeking to, to nullify parental consent or anything like that. And what we heard from supporters yesterday was that parental consent is still a question mark of whether it's going to be in this bill package. Um, there was, they were hedging their their answers when it came to that quite a bit. I think there there were answers that that indicated they believe there needed to be more education about what the parental consent law was and what it did before they attempted to repeal yeah. it. Um, and they also voice, you know, concern about the ability to get the package across the finish line right. if parental consent was included because of this debate that took place last year. Well, it tells you that they're concerned perhaps about political overreach and backlash, doesn't it? And I think that's a real concern here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think definitely, um, you know, anytime this the idea that they would introduce parental consent, a parental consent repeal has come up in the in recent months. There's been a lot of talk about that debate that took place before Proposal 3 passed. And, right. and the idea that even in our polling, um, there were people who were supportive of parental consent, but, uh, but also supportive of Proposal 3. So um, I think they, they're trying to strike a balance here and and but i guess we don't know really until the legislation right. is introduced in september whether that will be in there or not so because and lloyd's right that prop three was vague and ambiguous in some ways especially it was silent on what a fetal viability standard would be where you draw the line uh with which with roe v wade we kind of knew it was between 20 and 24 weeks um where the line was drawn um, I'm kind of surprised that they're doing this big Reproductive Rights Act when they really haven't finished the enabling legislation for Prop 3, or am I wrong about that? Yeah, you know, uh, I think so far the, the viability standard from what we can see in, in court cases hasn't been challenged and, and hasn't been an issue that's, that's come to the attention, at least in terms of litigation. Um, but, yeah, I, I think these were, you know, these have always been uh, these particular laws that are are targeted in the Reproductive Health Act or have been targeted in previous versions of it, these are ones that that have been controversial for a long time because they feel that these are not medically necessary and basically that they uh, inhibit access to abortion at the end of the day. Um, so these are ones that that they've definitely targeted. Whether or not you know, fetal viability becomes an issue in the future, I guess, remains to be seen, whether yeah. whether that question of, of where that does start and when. The five titans of late night coming together to help their workers who are